0: This morning's text this this parable from Mark chapter 4 is is a parable that you probably know. In fact, I would guess that there are a fair number of us in here this morning that if I asked to recite that parable could paraphrase it pretty well if not outright recite it word for word from memory. And perhaps this morning you're thinking as you're sitting out in the pews that I've heard this sermon before. I've heard this sermon before. I know what's coming. Jonathan is going to talk about how we ought to look at our hearts and discern for ourselves the condition of our hearts and how receptive we are to God's word. Is my heart like the path where the birds came and, and ate the seed? Or is my heart like the rocky places? Or is my heart like uh, those seeds that fell among the, uh, the thorns that grew up and sort of choked it out? Or is my heart maybe somehow is my heart's the fertile soil. And that's a fair way to preach about this text. In fact, you've probably heard that sermon 10 or 12 times in your lifetime. But I've got to ask you a question this morning. Do you know what the title of this parable is? If you know what the title of this parable is, just raise your hand. Does anybody know what the parable of this title in Mark chapter 4? Oh, got a hand here. A few other hands. Um, this is the parable of the seeds and the soil, right? No. No, it is not. This is the parable of the sower. Okay, we're going to say this together. This is the parable of the sower. This is the parable of the, sower. the sower. So why is it that every time we preach on this text that all we ever talk about is the kind of soil that your heart might be? Interesting, isn't it? This is no parable of the seeds and the ground or the seeds and the soil. This parable in Mark chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 13 is the parable of the sower, which suggests to me that this parable doesn't just have something to say about the condition of our hearts, but that it also has something to say about the character and the very nature of God, It has something to say about who God is and how we ought to live our lives in response to God. So think back for just a second about this parable. What's the picture that you get of this farmer, with this picture that you get of this sower? He's a little bit unconventional, right? I mean, this farmer, he doesn't just scatter seed on the ground that's been plowed and prepared for planting this guy he's sowing seed everywhere he's throwing seeds out on the road and he's throwing seeds out into the rocks and he's throwing seeds down in the ditch and some of it's landing in the fertile soil but there's seeds just flying everywhere I mean he's throwing it up in the air and the wind's catching and it's blowing everywhere you can see this this guy he's we might say he's kind of crazy <laughs> a little bit unconventional when it comes to it's a scattering seed. I mean, this farmer he would never make it today. It's too wasteful, too wasteful, too wasteful to make it in a world where crops are planted in perfect rows by tractors that are air conditioned and guided by GPS. <laughs> oh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 There's a field across from my house. I, we live out on Highway 24, way out past Mill Creek, and. Um, Across the street from our house is this field and in that field right now are soybeans and it's amazing there is not one soybean plant growing in the ditch there's not one soybean plant growing along the field road those soybeans are perfectly planted inside of the fertile soil farmers today they don't they don't sow they don't sow like the farmer In our parable, some might even call this farmer a little bit irresponsible with the way that he's throwing around his seeds. But I want to challenge that thought this morning. Instead of thinking of our farmer as irresponsible, instead of thinking of our farmer as wasteful or unconventional, perhaps this farmer in this parable from Mark chapter 4 is different perhaps instead of unconventional or irresponsible, perhaps this farmer, this sower, is extravagant. Extravagant. Willing to sow into ground that others overlook taking a chance on good things growing up in places that others would never expect our God the farmer in this parable is an extravagant sower and he's calling us to be extravagant sowers as well to take chances on good things exceptional things growing up in places that the world would never expect, to give of ourselves and, yes, even give of our money in ways that would astound people around us and may even cause them to question what we're doing and how we're doing it at times. What we're talking about this morning is cultivating a spirit of extravagant giving in our own lives. So how do we do that? How do we begin to cultivate a spirit of extravagant giving, of extravagant sowing in our lives? How do we emulate what this sower, our God, does in our own lives? If you have in your bulletin that, that commitment card, I want you to take it out. And there's all these this printed stuff on one side. It says stewardship commitment card. I want you to take it and turn it over so that Your commitment card looks like a blank sheet of paper can you do that for me just a blank sheet of paper then in front of you in your pews there are some sharpened pencils or maybe you have a pen go ahead and grab a sharpened pencil or a pen and your blank sheet of paper here And we're going to take some notes this morning about principles of cultivating a spirit of extravagant giving are you with me okay everybody's got a pen everybody's got a blank sheet of paper we are prepared we are ready to go this morning the first step the first step To extravagant giving is giving. Is giving. In order to be an extravagant giver, the first thing you have to do is to give. If you want to be an extravagant sower, the first thing you have to do is to sow. Farmers know this. If a farmer plows a field, maybe like that field across from my house, if a farmer plows that field and doesn't plant, do you know what he'll reap? In the next season? season, Either nothing or weeds. Nothing or weeds. The same principle works in our lives. If we don't give, if we don't sow, then we'll never reap a harvest. If we never give of ourselves, we'll never receive the fullness of God's blessing. To receive the fullness of God's blessing in our lives, in our families, in our church, we've got to give. Why? Because giving is a response to God's gifts. God's gifts of salvation and hope and community. We give because God is calling us to do what he did. To pour ourselves out for the sake of others. So the first step in becoming an extravagant giver is giving. Now I'm not saying that right now you've got to whip out the checkbook. And write a check for 10% of your annual income and drop that in the offering plate. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if you want to reap a harvest, you've got to give. You've got to start somewhere. So whether it's $5 a week or $5,000 a year or $50,000 a year, you've got to start somewhere because giving, giving, is our response to God, and it shows obedience to God. Our giving, in some small way, imitates the character of God. Imitates the character of God. Imitates the extravagance of God. And that's what being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is all about. It's about conforming our life to the life of God. Of God. So to become an extravagant giver, we have to start giving. We have to start somewhere. Maybe it's a dollar, maybe it's five dollars, maybe it's more, but we have to give. The second thing we have to do then, if the first step is giving, the second thing we have to do is become intentional givers. So you wrote, start giving. Now write, be an intentional giver. Be an intentional giver. If you want to be an extravagant giver, You've got to first be an intentional giver. That means that you make a conscious choice to give to God, and that choice becomes a habit, becomes a practice. Living out our faith really is about habits and, and practices. Becoming a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is about developing some holy habits in our lives. You've heard Tim and I preach on these topics over the past few weeks. First, we said if you want to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to be a student. You've got to develop habits of study, and then you have to develop habits of servanthood, and then you have to develop habits of... Of prayer. And so, what we're saying this morning is that giving has to become a habit for us. Pouring ourselves out, blessing others with what we've been blessed with, has to become a holy habit for us. And the way that you and I can establish a consistent pattern of giving, a habit of giving, a practice of giving in our lives is by choosing to give our first and our best to God. How many of you here like leftovers? Anybody a big fan of leftovers? How many of you, if you had a choice between a hot steak from Ruth's Chris Steakhouse with that big pad of butter on, do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about, that butter that's dripping on top of the steak. If you have a choice between that and that cold hunk of sirloin that's been sitting in your refrigerator, how many of you guys are choosing the cold sirloin? Oh, one. Okay. (laughs) There's an exception to every rule, but for the most part, we don't like leftovers. If we have a choice between something fresh and something new, we take what's fresh and what's new. We don't like leftovers. And God doesn't want your leftovers either. A lot of us are in the habit of giving God the leftovers what's left at the end of the month, what's left when we're done with all the other bills and everything else, and then we see what we can give. Listen, whenever you make out your budget, whenever you sit down to decide where the money's going this month or next month, instead of putting God at the top of the list and then watching his name move down to the bottom as you pile Visa and MasterCard and I don't know wherever else your money goes, On top of it, really practice making God first by giving your first and your best to Him. Write that check first, give to Him first. By giving to God first, God's actually building our faith and He's building our trust in Him. Now here's the deal, it takes faith, it really does take faith to give to God first because you and I don't know what's going to happen in the coming month. We really don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know what's going to happen over the course of the next hour. But by giving to God first, what we're doing is we're trusting God to provide and arranging our life and our priorities around him. Giving takes faith, and it takes faith to give intentionally and to give God to God first. If we give what's left over, that doesn't take faith at all. Our giving really is an act of faithfulness. It's a response to how God has faithfully and extravagantly sown into our hearts and our lives all throughout history. Think about how and what God has given to us just for a moment here. You know, the Bible says that we're all sinners and that while we were yet sinners, God gave of Himself and sent His Son. God gave by faith before we even could accept Him. God sowed into us even before we accepted His grace, before we even accepted His Son. And the Bible teaches us to give by faith in response to God's own self-giving. In fact, Scripture is very clear. In Malachi 3.10, the Bible says this, God says, bring 10% into the storehouse. Bring my tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Y'all, if we give God just a little, God multiplies it and puts it to work for his kingdom in ways that that we may sometimes see and, and also in ways that we may never understand. When you give, when you choose to to make it a priority to give, you enable ministry and empower the church to extend God's kingdom in ways that you may never see. Your gifts touch the heart of college students who meet here on Tuesday nights when Campus Crusade meets and on Wednesday nights when the Wesley Foundation meets in our fellowship hall. Your gifts, your giving touches the lives of people in East Africa who are starving and who need water. Your gifts, your tithes, your offerings, drill wells and provide food and education for orphans all across Africa. Your gifts enable ministries that allow the church to stand up for the least and the lost and the oppressed of this world. Your giving, it makes a difference. And so when you make giving a priority in your life, you get blessed by it. You get a little back. Tim said this morning that giving feels good. That's one of the reasons he gives is because giving feels good. The reason giving feels good is because when we give, it enables that money to do more than we could ever do with it. Because when we give, it centers us in God's will and in God's life. God says, if you're faithful to me, I will be faithful to you. Now, some of you here this morning, you've, you've made a habit of tithing your whole life. From the time your, your mom gave you a $10 bill or, or a $1 bill and you gave a dime, you've been in the habit of tithing. And I want to commend you for that. I want to commend those of you who are here this morning who are already giving, but I also want to challenge you and say, is it possible for you to give more? I mean, what might it look like if our church, instead of just tithing 10%, decided to give 12%, decided to give 14%? What ministries might come up if we choose to give more and more and more, if we find ways to continue to give and to trust God with our abundance? I want us as the church to find ways to trust God and to allow the blessings that have been sown into our lives to become a blessing for others. I want us to excel in the grace of giving because what we give actually makes a difference. And your choice to give is actually a choice to allow God to have full control of your life. It's a choice to take hold of God's vision for you and for your life. So to become extravagant givers, the first thing we have to do is give. We've got to do it once before we can do it routinely. And once we do it once, we then have to make it a habit. We have to become intentional givers. So you become a giver, then you become an intentional giver. And as you give more and more and more, as you create margin in your life and space to give, you become an extravagant giver. You can't skip any of the steps. None of us were born extravagant givers. We become extravagant givers. And extravagant givers, extravagant sowers. Their gifts yield crops of 30 and 60 and 100 times of what was planted. God is calling us to be extravagant givers. So this morning, I want to challenge you to first take the opportunity to give, become intentional, and then become extravagant. I invite you to take home your commitment card this week. Put it on the refrigerator Maybe read over your notes from this morning and begin to pray about how you might become more intentional in your giving, how your gift might make a difference for the kingdom of God through Pittman Park and through this community of faith. Take some time this week to consider how you can sow into the ministries of God here and how you can make a difference by choosing to give extravagantly. Who knows your gift might yield a crop that not only changes a couple lives, but changes our church and and maybe even changes our world. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, your word has been sown extravagantly in our hearts and we thank you for it. We praise you for how it lies within us, waiting for the right moment, waiting for the right conditions to sprout, to grow, to blossom into something beautiful. We thank you for how, even when the ground seems to all others unfertile and unworthy, that you sow into us anyways. And how for in the end, when we're willing to give as you have given, that the yield is rich. We pray, O oh God, that we might be a people who are willing to not simply study or serve or pray, but to give you access to our whole lives by giving. We pray, O oh God, that that which you've sown in us, we might sow into the lives of others. Let me pray this in Christ's name, amen. This morning, uh, before we sing our closing hymn, we have a very special moment um, here in the life of our church. We have our Haiti mission team, and I'd like to invite you um, to come and stand in front of the altar this morning. And Dr. Smith, I invite you to come up to the podium there and what we're going to do is have just a few moments to consecrate this team who's giving of themselves, um, who are paying out of their pocket um, to go and share the love and the grace of God with people in a broken and hurting place called Haiti, a place um, that many of us can't imagine, a place that's in desperate need, not only of the gospel, but also in desperate need of healing healing and restoration. So, this morning I'd like you to hear these words from Scripture. Friends, today we recognize the ministry of these dedicated people and we consecrate each of them to a special task in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the words of our Lord You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit shall abide, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give to you. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded of you. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age.